There's a dual meaning, meaning uh, in the title of our series, Wonderland. There's the wonder of, of Christmas, right? And, and we love the way that the children approach Christmas. And you, you just love the wonder that they have in their, in their eyes uh, about Christmas and, and all of that. And, and really simplifying Christmas and getting back to that uh, childlike faith. And then there are things around Christmas that we truly wonder about. Hey, buddy, <clears throat> you just toss that up here. Thank you. Good, good, good. Please excuse the preacher while he hydrates. Mm-hmm. So, Wonderland has, wonder has a, a dual meaning, right? The first one is the childlike wonder about Christmas. And then the second one is truly things, even as adults, even after all these years, there are lots of, of, of things around Christmas and things in the Christmas story that if we were really honest, we would say, I, I don't know, I, I think I wonder about, about those things. You know, being born of a virgin and, you know, these wise men and angels and shepherds and Toblerone, you know, and all that stuff. I, actually, I don't wonder about Toblerone. I love Toblerone, but I wonder about fruitcake. I, those two words were never meant to go together. Fruit cake, right? Like mince meat. Like th- those two words. All right, we're going to do a vote. We're going to do a vote here this morning. And maybe uh, I'll blog later this week and, and we'll uh, compare the first service with the second service. Okay, we're going to do a little vote on some of this Christmas stuff. Are you ready? You have to have one arm free. You ready? All right. Fruitcake. Uh, yays. Yay for fruitcake. I'm shocked. Are you serious? Are you really? Okay, no for fruitcake. That's, I think some of you raised your hand twice. I think you're like, ah, take it, leave it. I don't, yeah, whatever. Just want to raise my hand, you know? Because that looked pretty split. Mince meat, yay. yay. Oh my word. Mince meat, boo. Uh, the boos have it on the mince meat. Yeah, they do. They do. All right, one more. Eggnog, yay. <laughs> Woo, Canadians. All right, love it. Eggnog, boo. And the eggnog haters, like, they're not, they just, they really hate it. They're, they're like, that is so disgusting. I don't know how you can even, you know, uh, I've already downed three, two liters of eggnog. I've downed six liters of eggnog myself already this, this season. Yay, all right. Okay. Um, you didn't need to know that, but anyhow, it's fun, you know. Um, someone will ask, like, how did you split your church? I took a vote on mincemeat on Sunday morning. That's... It causes church split right there. So in some ways, we don't want you to lose the wonder of Christmas. And in other ways, we're hoping that many of you will cross over from, from wondering about Christmas to believing in Christmas. That, you, that your wonder somewhere, maybe this morning or next week, will, 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 it, it, something will happen. And you'll say, you know what? Uh, I used to wonder about those things. Now I think I believe those things. And it's totally normal to wonder about those things. We all wonder. We all question. Every one of us in here, we do. 
Uh, if we were honest, right, if we did another hand poll, we would say, yeah, you know what? There are times when I, when I do. It's normal to doubt and to evaluate and to reason and to try to sort things out in our minds. That's, that's human. And God is not alarmed by your wondering. You know, when you wonder about something, it's not like God's it's like shocked, like I can't believe that the human that I created uh, would actually wonder about these things. God, God made you. God designed you. God knows your limitations. He knows your capacity. He knew from the very beginning that we would be inquisitive little creatures and that, that we would try to, to figure things out. And there would be things that we, that we just aren't capable of figuring out. And so those are the things that would cause us to wonder. God, God knew that. It's all part, of, all part of his plan. The challenge for us is to not let the things that you wonder about cause you to wander about. Don't let the things that you wonder about cause you to wander about. And just to make it a little more confusing, if you're not confused enough already, uh, there's a dual meaning of wonder in Scripture as well. In the Bible. Sometimes the word wonder is used with signs, miracles, and wonders. Other times it's used when people are astounded. They're amazed. They're in awe or they're in wonder of something that, that had happened. A great example of that is actually in the uh, last, we're going to, a little bit later, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. But a great example of this wonder is in Luke chapter 24 on the, on the backside of Luke's book. It's when Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. And the disciples are still mourning. They still think they've got a dead Jesus. They, they, they haven't figured this out yet. And they're in shock. And they're trying to figure out, okay, now what do I do? I, I, I left my job. I left my home. I've been following this guy for three years. He's dead. You know, they're trying to put their lives back together again. And Jesus shows up like, hey... And, and he's got scars in his, in, 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 all over his body and all. And Jesus just shows up to them and just says, peace, right? Look it up. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus just, the resurrected Jesus shows up and says, peace. Now, I'm not going to preach an Easter sermon today. You can come back in April to hear the Easter sermon. But I do want to, I think that the first word that Jesus often speaks into people's lives is a word of peace. And that might be the word that you hear this morning. You, you, in all the, the, the craziness of life, and just sitting here on a Sunday morning, Jesus might show up into your world right now, and, and what he might speak to you might be that word peace. You might hear that word throughout this series. You might have all sorts of doubts and fears and contradictions and things that you wonder about, and the resurrected Jesus might show up into your world and just say, peace. You'd think that when Jesus showed up, the resurrected Jesus showed up, you'd think that the disciples would have gone nuts, like they just would have said, party! You know, he's alive, right? That they would, they would, just, like, they would just lose their minds and start just running around just so excited that, uh, that Jesus was alive. But instead, Luke says, they ran away in fear, thinking that they had seen a ghost. And again... In this series, I, ho I hope that we can clear Jesus up for you. I hope he goes from ghost Jesus to real Jesus uh, for you this, this Christmas. That he takes form in your life and becomes something more than just some mystical creature from the past. 
And Jesus says to them in Luke chapter 24, verse 38, he says, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And he gets them to, to touch his wounds. And he, then he, he eats fish with them. And Luke says that they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and, there's our word, wonder. Now, for those of you who are going to Israel with us, we're going in late May, early June 2014. You will go to the exact beach where Jesus ate fish, the resurrected Jesus ate fish with his disciples. We're going to go to this exact site. I've been there a couple of times, and it is mind-blowing. And so just a little, another push there for Israel. If you're still on the bubble, it's not too late to sign up. We would love to take you to Israel. Have you ever said, I see it, but I don't believe it? Right? You've heard that? I, I see it, but I don't believe it. Sometimes with faith, you have to say, I believe it, but I don't see it. And that's where Mary enters the Christmas story. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And Luke says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, okay? Wondering, dazed. She sees it, but does she believe it? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Christmas, probably more than any other of our holidays, and more than any other story in the Bible, Christmas is the one that we've blurred the most between what's true and what's history, fable, folklore, legend, fantasy, Black Friday, right? And on and on it goes. And no wonder it's hard for children to discern which parts of the Christmas story are true and which parts of the Christmas story will actually matter to them later in life. Which parts of it are, 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 are scriptural? Which parts of it are just man-made uh, traditions that people have come up with? It's confusing. And when kids get to the age of understanding, when they're able to, to separate these things, will they hang Jesus on their tree like he's just another ornament? 
a figure in the nativity, but not a real figure in their life that has any real significance. We have to back up uh, to the very beginning of Luke's account, Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke is a doctor, and doctors don't hallucinate. They don't exaggerate. They dig for truth, uh, things that are empirical, things that add up. And listen to what Luke says in verse 1 of his, of his book, Luke 1, chapter 1. Luke says this, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Many people, Luke says, I'm not the only one. I'm just one of many. There are all kinds of people who are writing down the things that Jesus has been doing. So this isn't, uh, you know, local. Uh, this is something that is, is, you know, everyone is talking about. Lots of people are writing about. This is not just something that only a few people have experienced. Many other texts outside of Scripture that we're recording the life of Jesus at that time. Verse 2, he says, They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Eyewitness reports. This is the burden of proof. This is uh, Luke reminding his readers and us and all the readers in between that if anyone wants to verify what he is saying, you know, if you doubt that what Luke is, is writing about is accurate, Luke is saying, hey, there are eyewitnesses everywhere. You can go and talk to them. You can ask them, did you see this? Do you know someone who saw this? Is this true? Is this the way that it really happened? When you go to Israel, you realize that you'll visit many locations where someone has protected that spot since the day that whatever that event was happened. Not the same person. They'd be very, very old. But you know what I mean? They've been... They've been holding that spot for for centuries. Verse 3 of Luke chapter 1. Luke says, Having carefully investigated everything, carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain, so you can be certain so you don't have to wonder so you don't have to doubt so you don't have to guess so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught that's the first four verses of the book of Luke and then Luke goes on to tell us about the birth of Jesus and he puts the story in historical context he tells us who was governor and who was Herod and all these things he said this is when it happened if you want to go back and check this is this is exactly when it happened, this is not fairy tale. You've heard me talk about, uh, sorry, just let me go back here. Oh, okay, got it. You've heard me, I flipped two pages at the same time. You've heard me talk about the Church of the Annunciation. It's a, it's a beautiful basilica built over the site where they believe uh, is to be the childhood home of Mary. And when I walked into that sanctuary, uh, some of you have heard me say this before, I just walked in like it was any other site, and as I stepped inside that, that, that sanctuary, my knees buckled just like that, just poof, like that, just, just hit by the presence of God, just floored by the presence of God. I think Mary's knees probably buckled when she unexpectedly was floored by the angel Gabriel and the Holy Spirit of God announcing that she would bring our Messiah into the world. Luke says in verse 29, let's let's throw that text back up, verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. 
confused and disturbed. You see, every, all of us react differently to God's plan when God starts to reveal his plan for our lives. Uh, when God goes from something that your parents told you about or something that your grandparents told you about to someone who is actually undeniably speaking into your life today. That could happen to people who are here right now. You, you, you might feel like, wow, what's, I don't know what's going on. It feels like God's talking to me or it feels like Jesus is here right now. And your response might be confused and disturbed just like Mary. In fact, this is what we pray will happen. We're, we're praying that you'll meet Jesus face to face on a Sunday morning at Moncton Wesley. We're praying that you'll encounter the real and living God, that he'll meet you here when you come to church on Sunday mornings. Every Christmas production that we do, any opportunity that we have where people can encounter Jesus face to face. God might drop into your life right now very unexpectedly. He might, he might grab a hold of you. He might say, you know, Listen to me, I have a word for you. I want to get a hold of your life today. And it might be confusing and it might be disturbing. If the future mother of Jesus is confused, think about that, right? If, if the future mother of Jesus is confused by this, then you better expect the rest of us to have times when we just simply wonder, you know, what, what is God up to? What is going on? What does this all mean for me in my life. In verse 30, the angel says to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Oh, of course not. Why would, I, why would I be afraid? An angel just dropped out of the sky, appeared out of nowhere, and is telling me that I'm favored by God. No, nothing to be afraid of here. Just another normal day in Nazareth, right? And Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid because he knows that that. He's there to deliver good news. Mary's going to deliver good news. I, I love good news. Do you like good news? I hate bad news. I hate delivering bad news when I have to give somebody bad news. Some people love sharing bad news. I don't understand that. Some people just, they get so excited about bad news. Like they, they can't wait to share bad news. Some people live for bad news. Some people create bad news just so they'll have something to talk about. In the lobby, on Sunday mornings, just saying, how you doing now? You all right? Gabriel knows that God is already working in Mary's life. God is going to fill her with his Holy Spirit. He's going to be with her on her journey. She's not going to have to do this on her own. And the results of all that God is going to lead her through, and the results of all the unknowns that Mary is about to face, all the close calls, all the waiting, literally at one point running for their lives, Gabriel knows that all of that is going to result in the greatest good that the world has ever known. And the angel Gabriel, he doesn't promise her an easy road. He doesn't say, oh, Mary, relax. This is going to be a piece of cake. You know, this, this is no big deal. He doesn't promise her an easy road. In fact, you might come to Jesus today and, uh, and be nailed with something unexpected tomorrow. That, like, you just, you know, I, I don't want people to think, well, I'll come to Jesus and that'll just make the rest of my life perfect. No, it, 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 that's, not, that's not the deal. And the angel doesn't promise her an easy road. 
Simply that God will be with her. That God will guide her, that God will bless her, that God is going to do something good in her life. And as Gabriel continues to reassure Mary about this and probably freak her out at the same time, he unpacks the, the prophecies about the Messiah, about the Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for for centuries. And Mary would have been familiar with a lot of the prophecies that, that Gabriel was, was talking to her, her about. And as he's doing that, see, it's just God is reminding Mary, hey, I'm faithful. Uh, I, I keep my promises. I have not forgotten you. Even though uh, they've been waiting for years, even if you hear this morning at Moncton Wesleyan, even if you've been waiting for years, God can remind you today that he is faithful, that he's not forgotten, that he keeps his, pro- his promises. One of the ways that we know that Jesus was who he said he was is how he fulfilled every prophecy that was written about him hundreds of years before he was born. Imagine if you found a 700-year-old book, and it spoke of a man named Clinton Timothy Guptill. Now you know my first name. Why do parents do that to their children? I don't know. But imagine you found a book, a 700-year-old book, and it was telling you about a Clinton Timothy Guptill who would be born on Graminan Island, 1969. <laughs> that just hurts to say that out loud. The son of a Baptist and a Wesleyan. I'm a church mutt. Did you know that? He would be raised in St. John. He would graduate from a Baptist high school and from a Wesleyan Bible college. Told you I was a church mutt. He would marry the daughter of a dairy farmer from Ontario, and they would have two daughters, Hope and Autumn. He would pastor in places like North Carolina and Digby and Fredericton and Moncton. He would wander away from Moncton Wesleyan for seven years, seven years in the wilderness. And then he would return as the lead pastor of the Moncton Wesleyan Church. Imagine if you found a 700-year-old book that, that prophesied things like that. Wouldn't that cause you to wonder? Wouldn't you think, wow, that's, that's how would that happen? That's, that's amazing. That's mind-blowing. That's phenomenal. That's crazy. Jesus couldn't go back and, and rig the prophecies that were written about him. It's not like he could say, oh, I, what was I thinking? I was supposed to be from Nazareth, but born in Bethlehem. Whoops. You know, got to go back. Couldn't do that. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies that were written about him. Anywhere from 400 years before he was born to like 1,400 years before he was born. Here are a few of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Moses said that he would come from the line of Abraham. Isaiah wrote that his mother would be a virgin. The book of Genesis and the book of Numbers say that Jesus would be a descendant of Isaac and Jacob. Micah said that he would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea said that he would be called out of Egypt. Genesis records that Jesus would be a member of the tribe of Judah. Malachi said that Jesus would enter the temple, and the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70 and never rebuilt. So if he was going to enter the temple, it had to happen before A.D. 70. 
Jeremiah said he would be in the lineage of King David. Jeremiah said that Jesus' birth would be accompanied with great suffering and sorrow. David and Isaiah both wrote that Jesus would live a perfect life, die by crucifixion, resurrect from the dead, ascend into heaven, and sit at the right hand of God. And so as Jesus lived out all of these prophecies, people literally saw in Jesus, they literally saw the promises of God coming true right before their eyes. It's as if layer after, after layer of, of doubt and wonder were, were being peeled back as Jesus just lived out these prophecies and God revealed to, to them his ultimate plan of redemption. Uh, several times, uh, speaking of wonder, several times in the last few weeks, God has, I've come across reminders. God has reminded me to read the Bible as a love story. To read it as a love story. Jesus is the revelation of God's ultimate plan to win you back. To bring you back into a right relationship with God. A God who is willing to go to any lengths to show you how much he loves you. Christmas is the arrival of the gift, capital G. When you open the gift, capital G, and you explore it, you'll realize how much thought was put into this perfect gift. And Mary asked the same question that people have been asking for centuries. It's the same question that you might be asking right now as you, as you contemplate all of these things. It's the wonder question. When we think of the complexity of life, when you think of the, the, just the sheer vastness of the universe and an idea of, of a, some God who's out there somewhere who sent his son into this world born of a virgin to die on a cross for, for my sins and then to be resurrected. And it's just two words from verse 34 where Mary says this. She says, but how? But how? That's, that's the wonder question. That's a question a lot of people ask. But how? How can God exist? How can Jesus be my Savior? How come this is happening in my life? How can I trust a God that I, I can't see? How can I follow God? How can I continue to serve God when my life doesn't make sense? What do I do with the things that I that I wonder about? What do I do with the things that I, that I wrestle with that I simply can't comprehend? And Gabriel's answer to Mary could be God's answer to you this morning. It's verse 37 where Gabriel simply says, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. For, you're, you're sitting here wondering, but how, but how, but how, but how, but how? Nothing is impossible with God. God. And so sometimes you have to say, I believe it, but I don't see it. And don't let the things that you wonder about cause you to wander about. Jesus is here, and he's speaking to people in this room right now. And some of you here this morning have not crossed the line of faith. You've not come to accept Jesus Christ because there's just too many big questions that are left unanswered in your world. And let me gently remind you this morning, seriously, let me gently remind you this morning that you were never meant to comprehend everything. You weren't created with the capacity to comprehend everything. Even if people around you call you a know-it-all, you don't know it all. 
And frankly, I don't want to follow a God that is small enough for me to figure out. He's God. He's awesome. He causes us to gaze into the night sky and wonder. And like Mary, I hope that you'll move from wonder to belief today, accepting God's plan for your life, listening to God speaking to you right now. Others of you have some pretty serious stuff going on in your lives, and, 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 and those things are shaking your faith and causing you to doubt and wonder. It, it causes you to wonder, does God see me? Does God even care? Does he hear me? Is he out there? And you just needed this reminder this morning to hold on. To hold on, to trust and to believe even when, maybe especially when, life doesn't make sense. Others of you have been wrestling with God. And you need to come to a place this morning of full surrender. Where like Mary, you simply say, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm going to stop fighting this. I'm going to stop arguing with God. I'm just going to accept what God wants to do in my life. I'll go where you want me to go. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word that you inspired Luke to write so so accurately for us, so vividly for us. We, we open it up this morning and your word speaks directly into our lives. This encounter between Mary and Gabriel and yet, and yet it feels, Lord, like you're speaking directly to us this morning. And, and God, I pray as pastor that you would open every heart that is in this room right now. That God, that those who, are, who, who have never uh, chosen to believe those who have never accepted the Christmas story as a love story written for them, that this Jesus wants to come into their lives, that he wants to know them and have a relationship with them, that they can actually trust him with every area of their lives, that they can live for him and serve him. God, I pray for those folks right now that you would help them to move from wonder to belief. Give them the, the, the strength to take that leap of faith that says, I believe it, even if, I don't see it. God, for those uh, others here this morning who are dealing with, with serious issues, issues of, of stress and difficulty, pain and grief, uh, Lord, you know those hearts. And I pray that you would speak a word of peace to them today and you would cause them to trust in you. And Lord, for others who have been wrestling with you and arguing and resisting your voice in their lives, I pray that you would give them the courage this morning to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I surrender. I will follow you wherever you want me to go. So God, help us now in these next few moments to be obedient before you. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What I think we'll do this morning as we sing this song is remain seated unless God is speaking to you about one of these things that I just mentioned. And if you want to stand in his presence this morning, just as, as either standing to say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to say this morning that I believe in you. Or if you're saying, Jesus, um, 
there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in my life and I surrender that to you this morning and I'm going to trust you as you speak a word of peace or Jesus I've been fighting your will in my life I've been wrestling I've been arguing with that and I just want to say I surrender I'll go where you want me to go I am your servant so remain seated unless God is speaking to you about one of those things and then you stand and then uh, at some point later on Pastor Jay will get us all to, uh, to stand together is that good? alright God bless you